Chip Patterson here with the First Cut Podcast. Before we get into this week's show, I want to take some time to let you know that there is a new way to get the latest scores, news, and highlights for golf and all of your favorite sports. You've heard us talk about it before. It's CBS Sports HQ. Brand new 24-7 streaming channel covering the biggest games, the best plays, and crucial insights from around sports. You can stream this for free. Uh, You can stream it anytime a couple different ways. The CBS Sports app on your Apple TV, on your phone, on your mobile devices, on your Roku, Amazon Fire, anything that's connected, OTT, you can stream it through the CBS Sports app. Or if you want to watch online, you can do that at cbssportshq.com. Kyle's on there all the time. I'm on there a good bit. Uh, We try to provide that, and they give promotions for this podcast. So we want to give them some promotions back. So make sure you watch it online at cbssportshq.com or through the CBS Sports app and enjoy this week's show. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I am Chip Patterson, Kyle Porter on the line, and friend of the program, uh, second appearance, I believe, and uh, and now this time, I guess a little bit less intimate since you're not uh, sitting right next to uh, your good friend Kyle Brendan Porath. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Chip. I appreciate uh, the opportunity here to come on and jam about the Masters. Last time we were like sharing headphones. I think Kyle had like the right earbud in his ear, and I had the left one. It was a little intimate, as you said. Yeah, I I was- could tell. Not not a great situation. We were surrounded by approximately twenty five cases of Michelob Ultra in uh, in, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, so yeah, we we've got uh, we're we're in front of our computers now, and uh, man, just I, I feel like the last couple. I I don't know the Masters releasing all of these final rounds on YouTube. I feel like has simultaneously gotten everybody even more excited than usual, but also kind of waylaid everybody's preparations because that's all I feel like anybody is doing is watching yeah. these these final rounds. It's unbelievable. But I'm I'm fired up about Augusta and uh, yeah, ready to ready to talk about our uh, our our field rankings. Before we get into ranking the fields, Brendan, you've been you've been going all in on the uh, on the Masters, uh, and and I've loved. Uh, if, if you want to follow Brendan on Twitter, you can at Brendan Porath. Um, you, you've been providing these updates and, and the thread's been fun because it, it like pops up each time, uh, that there's a new one. But the one that stuck out to me, uh, in terms of your observations, like the, you sent me back into the 2011 masters as you were going through, has that been the one year that stood out the most as you've been, uh, going back through and rewatching all the uh, all the old broadcasts on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. I think like ten and eleven, and just those last whatever two and a half hours of eleven have been like. I, I think if we did that, if that happened this year, like Twitter would implode. You know, it just set itself on fire. It was just. I think that's the one. Like, if you have only you know a couple hours to do to go through that library I, I, that's the one i would look at i mean again like schwartzel wasn't the biggest name winner but it's more about just the action and the pace it's like i mean unlike anything we really get in golf kyle so, was on 16 he was there in a non-working co- as a patron <laughs> i was 
I thought Adam Scott was going to win after he nearly aced 16. That's what I got out of like rewatching it. Like more than anything, it's just like, man, how did Adam Scott not win this? It felt like it was his for the taking. So I don't know. Can I just say that's like the most Augusta thing is just quietly not even announce it. 50 years of coverage, like hours and hours, <laughs> no ads on it. And they just, they haven't promoted, promoted it a, a bit. There are no ads and they're just like, eh, word of mouth, it'll get out. And all of a sudden we have like this incredible resource that we didn't know was coming. Should we start uh, uh, pulling it down just in case it like goes absent <laughs> in a couple months? <laughs> I, 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 I found myself, uh, I was doing the dishes last night after the kids went to bed and I found myself listening to the the No Ain't Up crew narrate the 04 back nine which they did on on Twitter and they were I was I was listening I wasn't even watching I was listening to them watch the 04 final round which is is a crazy thing to say out loud and to have done but it was it was fun like <laughs> it, it, it's it's crazy to see all these guys that that we know in their context today in 2018 uh, back then like even in 04 that wasn't that long ago but Bernard Longer looked like he was like 20 you know, yeah. and it, it's just it, it's so funny to 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 look back and uh, you know see who even to see who was good, like who was playing well. Charles Howe was on the leaderboard in '04. Casey Wittenberg, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I just I think it's it's nuts how like like 11, 2011, It's all like high definition still, and it's all obviously the course looks the same as it always has. You know, there've been subtle changes, but like it's still high definition. Like it could be a broadcast in twenty eighteen, but those yeah. players, like just the difference between Adam Scott, what he looked like in twenty thirteen and twenty eleven, it is like you said, stark. Well, that's uh, that's how Chuck makes thirty five million in his career as a PGA <laughs> Tour player is by by having the the full the full range there. Okay, uh, Kyle, do you have? Uh, and by the way, this Kyle's full ranking uh, of the entire field, one through eighty six, just six thousand words of takes on everyone who's going to be competing for a green jacket in Augusta. Uh, that will probably be up uh, at some point in the near future. Brendan, uh, you're gonna, you've got your own top 10 ready, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All I got, right, cool. got some names here. All right. Go. Um, we're going to start at the back and, uh, and Kyle, so that I don't embarrass myself with uh, some of these first appearances. Do you want to, you want to pick out any, any names? Because I, w- I want to talk Doc Redman, but that's only because I experienced Doc Redman on golf Twitter. I didn't even get a chance to watch that one live. <laughs> yeah, I want to start at the bottom, just the very end, and see if... So I ranked them basically from 1 to 86. The field is 86 as, the t- as of the time that we're recording this. It could go to 87 with the Houston Open champ, but 1 to 86 in terms of who I think is most likely to win. And I want to see just what you guys think about where I have certain guys. So let's start at 86. Ian Woosnam is the least likely golfer in the field to win this tournament. And also I thought Ian Woosnam was like not playing this tournament anymore. Was I, am I wrong about that? Pora? No, I swear there's been like the last like five years he's walked off <laughs> Friday afternoon, like throws his hands up. He's like, well, that's it. Like he makes a great <laughs> statement. He's like, I'm done. I'm joining, you know, the Bob Golbys and Jack Nicholas's of the world. And then I like checked the field the next year and was like, oh no, he's got a tea time. (laughs) 
but yeah, I've got him as as the least likely to win. I, I would be more surprised if he won than all six of the amateurs. Any any qualms with that? No, no. Nineteen ninety one champ. Uh, yeah, nah, I'm good. I think he's missed ten straight cuts. I think maybe more. Uh, according yeah, to Kyle, hasn't great. made a cut since two thousand eight. Any yeah. cuts? Not, not, not good. A, not a single. Um, one. I've got. I've got some of the amateurs right at right ahead of that. I, I think this is a good uh, kind of jumping off point for what you talked about, Chip, in terms of um, which of the amateurs to you guys is the most intriguing because there's six of them and uh, two of them, obviously the the two finalists for the U.S. amateur. But uh, I don't know which of these guys is the most intriguing to you, Brendan. I mean, I love. From a story standpoint, I love Matt Parzielli. I always kind of, uh, the last few years, I've gravitated towards mid-ams. Um, I mean, he's got, like, he's a full-time firefighter from Brockton. I think that's pretty pretty cool. I, I, like, it's the best story. I, I definitely want to see how he plays more than anyone. But in terms of actual, like, on-course performance, I think I love Joaquin Neiman. Like, just, like, this nukes the ball off the tee. I think he's going to be – he's completely cocky, kind of thinks he's going to, like, contend at every major yeah. that he enters as whatever, however old he is. So I think mo- he's the most interesting name I want to watch on the course. Yeah, I mean, as I, I referenced it earlier, but uh, I think um, – did did we we probably ended up that was one of those unexpected topics that we ended up talking about on the, on the podcast, Kyle, where I, I just – I wasn't expecting to – be talking about the u.s amateur and all of a sudden you just you kind of saw the the insanity building uh throughout doc redmond's performance so yeah absolutely i i, I want to see him uh it's i'm gonna be going out of my way at some point on thursday and friday to catch him at either the you know the amen corner or the 15 16 cam you know like those are your opportunities from the viewer standpoint to see uh pretty much anyone that you want and that's that's the one amateur that uh, that gets my uh, gets my vote just because of his performance at Riviera. Well, his performance at Riviera, I, I think that it sort of. It, I don't think it got lost, but just looking back on it and watching what he did to be two down with two to go, and then he went. I think he went eagle birdie on the last two, and then parred ten in the playoff. And I mean, it, it wasn't as dramatic as it could have been because they were both already in the Masters. The the two finalists get in. But it was it was crazy. And in, in the he, moment, it was the, the most exciting. It was the most exciting golf thing of that moment. Like people were like, "Get to Fox right now! This is insane." Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember which PGA Tour event was was that week. It might have been uh, Wyndham or John Deere. I don't know. It was. I don't think they I even think had one. I think it was the break between the um, the FedEx Cup and and no Web Tour. I think that was like it. If I'm wrong, if I'm uh, not mistaken. There yeah. was nothing, might, nothing on PGA Tour or Web. It, seem, it seems like the Solheim Cup might have been that week or something. Uh, yeah, you're I, right. I, I'm, thinking, I'm confusing it with Walker Cup. Whatever. It's, okay. Anyway, but so the the thing that I wanted to kind of mention is that so the guy that he beat in the finals was uh, I I hope I'm pronouncing this right Doug Gim yep. from uh, Texas and Gim is actually I think probably a, a better player. I was looking at sort of their records this year. Gim has like two or three wins since the U.S. Amateur, and Doc Redman shot like an eighty in a tournament a couple of weeks ago, uh, which, which is is not a good uh, not a good sign for Augusta. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm 
you know, the amateurs at, at Augusta are, are always interesting. Um, but I, I, I'm with Porath. I think, I think Neiman's the one that, uh, that probably has the best chance to make the cut. Yeah. And you've got him ranked at number 73. And is that the highest of the amateurs? Yeah, that's the highest of the amateurs just ahead of, uh, Mike Weir, Trevor Immelman and VJ Singh. That's right. And, uh, and Larry Mize checking in at number 74. Larry Mize has made three of the last four cuts. Larry, that guy makes some noise, man. He's not just like a complete, <laughs> complete ejection. He's he's fights, man. Um, all right, Kyle, where where do you want to go next on this list? We're up to yeah, about seventy three. Oh, do you want to go Ted Potter seventy two? <laughs> is that too is that too low for the great American golf hero? Yeah, th- th- it gets it. I feel like between, so it's easy to do the bottom and it's easy to do the top. It's easy to do the bottom, like 15 or 20. It's easy to do the top 15 or 20. The middle 40 is like, I don't, I don't know. I, I I asked, I asked Porath one time about, you know, like, why do I feel frustrated that I don't know the difference between two guys that I won't name for the sake, for their sake. And he was like, because there is no difference. It's, It's the same player. Like they both stink. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and that's and that's sort of how i feel about the middle 40 of this uh of this master of every masters really um but yeah i've got i've got potter 72nd i've got guys in here like on hell cabrera uh, austin cook who's making his first appearance uh sharma the indian um I'm in on him, but not for this week at the Masters. <laughs> uh, one guy that qu- sort of stood out to me, Wesley Bryan. He's been he he obviously won at Harbortown last year. Uh, he's been not very great since then. You know, he he took driver out of the bag earlier in the year, and uh, I don't know. I, I obviously he's a great putter. I just don't know if he can hit it well enough to to compete at a place like this. Yeah, I mean, he's been kind of pretty pretty inconsistent and tough to take i mean he took yeah at the sony he's like i'm not hitting driver again until like the florida swing which isn't what you want to hear in the first quarter of the season um i think teddy p ted potter i think you put all your money on him for the par three contest did you hear him like after he won he uh, wanted to defend yeah <laughs> after he won at pebble beach first thing he's like well you're going back to the masters he's like oh i can't wait to try and win the par three contest again <laughs> like what what about the actual masters and getting an invitation? It's like, nah, man, I'm in on the par three. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so maybe you should be uh, number one in the power rankings for the par three. Yeah, that was so good. I forgot about that. <laughs> you uh, did. I remember I'm, that's uh, you wrote about that for SB Nation, right? Like, I, I remember you you like made a point to point this out. You're like, guys, we should not ignore the fact that of all the things that Ted Potter is excited about Augusta, it is yeah. the par three. I think I did mention that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, so Sharma is one part of this, uh, this, this youth movement on the European tour. What's the, is there much of a, a precedent for any of those stars younger in there, uh, at the like beginning of their stardom from the European tour, being able to come over and, and make some noise at Augusta? I don't know what the, that's a good question. I mean, how old is Danny Willette? That was kind of a shooting star that flamed out and lasted, you know, back nine at one tournament. Augusta. Yeah. I I mean, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I I think the difference with, with Willard is he was, he was the number one amateur in the world for a while. And so you, 
And so you see these guys like him and, and Rory who, who come over from Europe, but th- they didn't like, they were more global than somebody like uh, a Sharma or even, and this is a, this is a weird one to put in there, but, but Dylan Fratelli is somebody I have at 60th. Now Fratelli is, uh, uh he played in the U S uh, in college. He played at Texas. He was on that, uh, 2012 team with Spieth. Right. That I don't know if you guys know this, but they beat Justin Thomas's team at at uh, Riviera. I don't know if that's been made <laughs> made public, but uh, he's somebody who's who's pretty much only ex- existed on the European tour. And so then when he comes to the Masters, this is a little bit like uh, kind of a middle class man's version of like a Tommy Fleetwood. You come to the Masters and you're like, wow, who's this guy? And you're like, wow, this guy's really good, you know. And, and so. Um, I do think there's sort of a, um, like an underground group from Europe that's, that's really good at golf that we, as as a, as a golf watching community are not necessarily introduced to until some of these major championships. Yeah. I mean, I think with Sharma, he's like barely even been on the Euro tour though. Right. I mean, he was up until kind of the end of last year, he won, I think the Joburg or um, you know, he'd been kind of on the lower tours, an Asian tour, and and kind of bouncing around, just trying to get starts. He was four hundred something in the world, and he's just on a heater right now. He's whatever, only twenty four. I think <laughs> it's hard. I mean, you can't expect him to do well at Augusta, but I didn't expect him to do well in his first WGC. Like, so maybe it's just different with him, and he will get a top twenty five. I'm I'm not confident, but I think he might be on that kind of heater right now, where. I mean, he he went from Mexico City to uh, India to play the Indian Open. It's like not the easiest travel week, and, and like set the course record in India. So he's just, I mean, he's on a freaking heater right now, and I think it's hard to ignore him, even though he has zero experience really on even hardly any on the Euro Tour and the PGA Tour. And so that's why it's a total snub to have him behind Brendan Steele at number sixty, who's at number sixty-two. <laughs> <laughs> Steel is like the, he's like this. If you go like to Shutterstock and look for a golfer, that's like Brendan Steele comes up. <laughs> he's just like this like stock photo golfer, like just very good, obviously, but completely you know. Uh, there's nothing that sticks out about him. He wins every now and then, never really kind of makes an impression on anybody, and it's just like your stock photo golfer. He's also the stock answer for like when you're when when you're searching for someone to like prop up as like a ridiculous thing like oh so and so will probably win the Masters because there's so many great players in it. Yeah. I feel like I always go to Brendan Steele, <laughs> like he's just like this like yeah just the the median I guess. Um, he's over thirteen in top tens at major, so not good. Ooh, not good. Ooh. All right, Kyle, where do you want to go? Uh, so. Well, into the into the fifties, I've got two old guys or older guys in the fifties. Bernard Longer and Fred Couples are both uh, inside my top sixty. But Longer's at fifty eight, Couples at fifty four. Um, do you agree with that, Porath? Would you have them lower, higher, or do you think that's about right? I mean, I think that sounds right. I might put Longer higher just because he's continuing to dominate. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, that's just making the cut, right? You know, like upper 50s, kind of low 60s. We've only got a field of 86, maybe 87. It's like kind of just making the cut. And um, 
while we can count on them to kind of maybe show up on the first page of the leaderboard at some point, I think that sounds just about right. And it's kind of become a talking point, right? The old guys can play at Augusta, the guys who've won there. Um, but I think that's just about right. Uh, I did want to point out Webb Simpson. I figured out is the anti-Sergio. This time last year, Webb Simpson was one for one in terms of converting top tens at majors into wins. And Sergio was 0 for 23, I think. Ooh. Man, what's up with so that? Now he's one. Now he's one for twenty-four. Yeah, well, yeah. So, what's the? Do you think that? Uh, where Where are you at with uh, with Webb right now? Uh, I I don't know. I just it, it's so hard. And and I run into this. I mean, Porath and I both do a lot. It's like, okay, Webb Simpson's good at golf. Like he's he's fine. But like, are you? Is he really going to beat DJ and Rory and? Phil and Tiger at Augusta like it, it just like like Webb Simpson can go to um I don't know the John Deere or uh the Houston Open is a good example and like yeah maybe you can beat Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler and Phil Mickelson for one week at a Houston Open but are you going to beat all these top guys uh for one week at Augusta it just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem feasible for and and I'm throwing Webb in there, but also a Billy Horschel, a Gary Woodland, a Russell Henley, all of those guys as well. It's just like, what what is their goal when they're going to Augusta? You have to literally play the best 72 holes of your life to even have a chance to win, and it just seems it seems defeating, honestly, to be in sort of this era with all these great stars. Yeah, I mean, you just got to be unconscious, like you said, perfect rounds, but four of them. You know, it's, it can't be just like nine holes, a perfect nine holes or a perfect day. I mean, it, you have to be just unconscious for four straight days. And I think, you know, Webb has three top tens this year. But like you said, there's just like, OK, that that may be the form to like bag a top ten at Augusta. But there's just too many, too many guys between him and the very, you know, upper echelon of the game that make it hard to think he could, you know, pull off a miracle. Yeah. What about uh, Kyle F. Stanley? You got him checking in at number 49. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he has never made the cut here, which is, which is interesting. He's a, he's a freak ball striker. I mean, just unbelievable. I watched him at the Players' Championship last year. Um, but, yeah, he's another guy. Like I just, just, Kyle Stanley's just not going to win the Masters. Uh, the, so a couple guys that I had trouble with <clears throat> were in the mid-40s. And they kind of went in order. So 41 through 45, I had Xander, Tong Lee, Jimmy Walker, Danny Willett, and Siwoo Kim. And you could talk me into the any of those guys being in the 20s or in the 60s. I just I didn't I didn't really know what to do with any of them. Do do any of those names stand out to you, Brendan? It's a lot of respect for Danny Willett. A lot of respect. Um, I I mean I. I just I feel bad for the guy. Like he's just constantly injured. I just don't. I mean, at this point, I'd put him with Woozy almost. You know, um, I just <laughs> I, I think he's like an awesome talent. He just can't. He's been kind of na since he won the Masters and, and not been able to stay healthy or play. Um, I'm intrigued by Xander because he hits it a mile, and but he's been uneven this year too, right? You know, he's kind of made some noise and then he misses cuts and then he kind of goes away. So. I think of that of that set, Xander's a name that that jumps out. But you have that you know, no rookies ever won it since Fuzzy's the only one to do it. So I, I think of that group, Xander's the most intriguing name to me. What about you? 
Well, it did finish T18 at the Valderrama Masters at the end of 2017. Yeah, my fault. So that's on that's on you. Hosted by the Sergio <laughs> Garcia Foundation. Uh, Siwoo Siwoo is the guy for me that I'm like I don't I don't I don't get it. Like I don't I don't really know what he is. You know, like you you win you win Wyndham you win players at the age of 21, and we talked about this at the time. If if his name was like J- Jimmy and he went to Georgia, we'd be losing yeah. our minds. <laughs> But it's yeah. Siwoo, and he didn't go to Georgia, and it's like, well, okay, is he? And 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 he's had injury issues, and um, I so I I just I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know how consistent he's going to be over the next ten or fifteen years. But he's certainly talented. I mean, that that Players Championship win was was really impressive. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish in the top twenty twenty five here. I think the odds are that he misses the cut. Um, but like you said, he's so unpredictable. I think he shot 81 here last year. But it, he's ultra talented. He's just, it, I don't think, you know, you kind of, if you, you want to weigh the scales here, it's more likely that he misses the cut. He's just too unpredictable, at the, you know, right now. He, he may be become, you know, a Hall of Fame player, to be honest with you. He's so young. <laughs> I'm serious. He's so he already has you know a career that a lot of guys would kill for, um, yeah. and but but I think like it's it's hard to predict. He shot eighty one here last year. It's just I think the odds are that he he kind of flames out more than he wins. But you know what? No one would be surprised if he just posts a sixty six and all of a sudden he's in the hunt. So like if I was to about- name these groups or if I was to tier the rankings, it feels like we're starting to get close into the uh, like. The, the one round superstars guys guys that Brendan like you just mentioned like you wouldn't be surprised if there was uh, the one really incredible round or if their name like you or filtered up you know as, as especially uh, golf nuts like those of us who are working it or those who are following which of course you can always do online uh, through CBS sports cbsports.com uh, like the the names that are just gonna be like whoa 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 look who's two under through five it seems like the <laughs> 40s are kind of in in that range where you're not going to be surprised if there's uh, a flash of something really good or fun but that uh it's not really predicted that they they're going to be able to sustain it over four rounds that's a great great line one round superstar like because that is such a phenomenon at augusta charlie hall special or bill haas yeah exactly <laughs> I feel like I feel like Bill House has led the Masters after one round like seven times. I know that's not true, but it 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 feels like it. Charlie Hoffman, yeah, sixty. That sixty five last year doesn't get enough respect. That was oh, an all time round. Incredible, and everyone wanted to talk about like Rory's seventy one or seventy two or whatever he shot. You know, yeah, Hoffman got jobbed out of getting the run he deserved for that round. Um, well, Charlie yeah. Hoffman still always has a place in my heart from when the cameras picked him up telling his caddy, I'm tired of finishing second. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Uh, Tory, I think. I think Firestone. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he knew the cameras and mics were within earshot. Might okay. have been a little, yeah. little performance art. Hey, I'll take it. Listen, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Wrestling's still real to me. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I I just looked up uh, Danny Willett's like last two years of finishes, by the way, and I might need to make some adjustments tomorrow. <laughs> Brendan had it right. You got to no put comment. him down by no Woozy. 
it's, it's that horse. <laughs> it's not good. Okay, let's get into the 30s. I've got uh, speaking of Charlie, and it's such a great point, uh, Chip, about <clears throat> the one round wonders. Because uh, these are all guys that I could I could see not and maybe, and maybe not even just one round, but leading going into the weekend. I've got uh, in into my thirties. I've got Duffner, Charlie Hoffman, Cabrera, Bayo, Patrick Reed, uh, Br- Brandon Grace, Terrell Hatton, Brian Harmon. I'm curious to hear what what uh, Pora thinks about uh, a couple of Americans that are in this in this group. At 33, I've got Kevin Kisner, and 34, I've got Brian Harmon. Do are those either of those guys you see making any noise? Yeah, I mean those obviously make sense. I don't. I think Kisner like. I'm not as hot on him yet as everyone else. You know, people just see like the WGC match play finish and kind of make it, make the natural jump that he's back. He's not had a good year, you know, and um, he's not had a, well, a, a good year by, you know, recent standards. You know, he's, he's kind of last couple of years, he's in every top 10 or in a playoff or somewhere hanging around. I just, I don't know that he's kind of in the form that we think he is just because of the match play. Uh, so I think like he's going to be a trendy pick. I think everyone's already throwing that out there. Like, Oh, I love Kisner, man. You know, he's the guy that like the regular fan hasn't probably heard of, but I I don't know that he's there yet, but he's going to be a trendy pick for sure. Harmon. I love, man. He's just so deadly consistent. I don't think he's like gets bothered by a lot of stuff out there. I don't think he's overwhelmed by the masters or Augusta and, and I think he's been kind of honestly one of the best players in the world over the last 18 months or so. So I, I like Harmon much more than, than Kisner there. Mr. I, I want can Harm- I, Mr. I want Harmon on the Ryder Cup team. Oh, yeah. Brian, I'm with you there. Brian Harmon, Mr. I hit it far enough. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> uh, only got one okay. start, right? An MC. So that's a little concerning, but I, I, I don't know. I like him more than Kisner. Yeah, I I, I kind of do too. Uh, okay, we get into the we get into the high twenties. I've got uh, Ryan Moore, Kevin Chapel, who finished in the top ten last year. How about that? I didn't remember that at all. Uh, Daniel Berger. Okay, twenty six. This is kind of where it starts to get interesting. Uh, I got Bryson at twenty six. <laughs> Disrespect. <laughs> Should be like six, not twenty six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, remember, the algorithm I mean, the algorithms didn't work in his favor. <laughs> he might he might have played he he might have played more rounds at Augusta than like Phil Mickelson. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like USAM? He's like, oh, I've played 47 practice rounds over the last three months, you know, when he was qualified you know, two years ago for being the amateur. I think he, he knows the course and until, you know, what did he blame for that shot that went off the planet on 18? Like his hip locked up or something? I thought it was air density. Was it air density? <laughs> that was last, uh, two weeks ago at Bay Hill. Oh, but man. I, when he, because he was, you know, top five or top 10 somewhere in there playing with speed uh, at Augusta two years ago. Yeah. And, you know, he sent that one behind like the outhouse on 18. And he said his hip locked up or something. So maybe get some treatment on that and make sure he doesn't repeat. So 26 seems like a fair number though. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I think he thinks that he's like a top five guy in the field at Augusta, which I know that everyone in the field, like on some level has that self-confidence, but I think he like really thinks it. 
like I think I think him and and Reed like like they're they're in on on being top five guys at at this tournament or at any tournament. Um, my highest ranked guy who's, who's wait can we can we appearance. stick on can we stick on Bryson for a second? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, okay, Brendan, I want I want to get uh, your take on on Lay Artiste. Like, what's like what is your uh, like next five years projection for Bryson DeChambeau? Like over under. Five years, 0.5 major wins, uh, f- 3.5 PGA Tour wins. Uh, over on both instances. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think he is a guy that wins once a year. Now, that might be the John Deere, and sometimes it might be the Masters. I, I think he wins one, gets like once a year. Maybe it's like in the fall series or something, but... Uh, I think he's got too much talent to not win, you know, once a year. And we've seen him crater out. And I think some of that was like adjusting to being on the PGA Tour and not really. I mean, his trajectory hit a bump in the road there, right? He's like this all time am. And then all of a sudden he's playing on the web tour to kind of get a card um, or web playoffs to get a card. So I, I think his tra- he's kind of back on track for the trajectory we expected. It's just, you know, if he drives himself crazy, that's the problem. You know, you don't want him to, him to spin himself into, you know, a mental institution because he's all over the place, constantly tinkering and, you know, trying to figure out what kind of scientific advantage he can get when he should just play golf. Because so. I love the character and it's almost to the point where I'm, I'm finding it, uh, I'm, I'm finding it hard for me to even see uh, a see a clear eyed like have a clear eyed view of of the golf sometimes, but I'm I'm embracing it, you know, and so I hope that he's able to stick around and not drive himself crazy, and that we get to see, you know, his software update a couple times. You know, we get to see we get to see a couple of evolutions of his uh, Microsoft Surface Pad or whatever it's going to be. Like I just I I love his presence. Um, and that's something that Kyle and I talk about a lot is that, you know, like in, in an individual sport, having really fun characters and, and lots of different ones to be foils for each other is awesome. And that's, you know, and makes it better for everyone. And so I, I hope that he is, uh, I hope that you're right. How about that? Kyle, would you agree with those over-unders? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would. I, I, I think what's hard to figure out with him, like, I, I think that with, when you look at Phil, like you can kind of tell that sometimes he's playing a, a character of himself on purpose. And with Bryson, I, I don't know if he like thinks he's actually like Galileo, like the modern day of Galileo. He might actually believe or, that he is a genius. Or if he's or if like when he talks about air density, he's doing it in a kind of in the same way that Charlie Hoffman did, where he knows the cameras are on him and like he's just sort of, you know, being I, but I don't. I don't think he is. Like I don't. I don't think he's self-aware enough to to be playing that character of himself, which to me is almost better because it's like. The, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. It's like the Reed, to where Reed will tell a joke, and you're like, I I think he's kidding. I think that's a joke, but it might <laughs> yeah. not. Be. No, and, I think it's it's all authentic with Bryson. I think. Yeah, which which is is hilarious and amazing, and uh, but yeah, I. He, the the way he <clears throat> compresses the ball, Tron talked about this at the 16 Masters. Like he was just just pissed about 
I don't know <laughs> about right. Bryson. And he goes, but I've heard from people who seen him that he just com- he's just like a top five compressor of the ball on the <laughs> so what major would you think he'd win like a pga or something over the next five six years uh i don't know i i think he could win the masters i really do because <laughs> of the way- have microsoft map every every kind of square inch of the the green go out there with common and kind of figure out the entire course <laughs> The way he played in 16, those first two rounds, I mean, he played like he just like he just owned it, you know? And, and so, I, yeah, I, I think he could I think he could win the Masters. Someone I know, he's, I know we've made this a Bryson podcast, but can we just say like how mad I am still that the USGA nixed his side saddle approach? Because if the hit was going on right now at the Masters, like can you imagine everyone freaking out all of a sudden he's up on the green, just face on, as he called it. It's like it's not side saddle it's face on. Damn it! Uh, that's that's kind of. I'm still mad about that. I'm still salty that the USGA kiboshed that. Um. All right. Let's get into or where do you want? Where do you want to go next? We got Alex Norin at 25, Stinson at 24, Finau at 23. Uh. Just Kyle. I don't. I'm surprised, Kyle, that you don't have Patrick Cantlay number 10. Uh. Cantlay <laughs> at 22, Schwartzel at 21, and Fleetwood at 20. Where do y'all want to go well, with that? My- my my uh, Finau is my top guy in his first appearance, and yeah. it's weird that it's his first appearance, uh, just because he's been pretty relevant for the last at least two years, if not if not more. Uh, do you agree with having him as the, as the top guy in his first appearance, Pora? I think that's right. Uh, I talked to him actually a little bit uh, tease for something next week, uh, and I, I think that's appropriate. I think he's. I, I was shocked too that he had not played this before. I was shocked, um, and I think he's he kind of will know the course. He's obviously got the distance. I love Fino as like the the top ranked rookie. So. I just I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's a little bit underrated because we it, we swing kind of wildly back and forth on golfers based on wins, and yeah. we, we we sort of underrate guys who don't who haven't won a lot like he he just hasn't won very much but he's he's like top 10 top 15 every tournament i mean it's unbelievable and then we sort of overrate guys who maybe win a lot but aren't consistently in the top 10 and i mean all of that goes back to like how much you value wins and i think that's obviously a completely different uh, conversation but I just think Finau's really good, and I think he's another guy that uh, could poten- could potentially be on the Ryder Cup team in in September. You've I act- thought he already played on the Ryder Cup, right? <laughs> um, no, I, I the rookie class I don't think is real strong though. Just at, like as by master standards, <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think it's a particularly strong rookie class. I, and Finau seems to make sense. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Finau, Xander. Uh, Xander's the top guy. Or I'm um, Xander's yeah. another top guy. So Stinson, uh Stinson, one of those players that um I I look at I look at the other names around him, but then you dig a little deeper and uh Augusta's just not his spot, right? Yeah, I wouldn't even pick him to be low Swede this week. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I concur. I, I think like as great as his three wood is, you're still you're just giving up an advantage, not hitting driver. Now maybe he hits his driver worse 
than is three wood, but like still not to be able to hit a driver at Augusta, you're, I mean, you're giving strokes away. So I don't, I don't love him at Augusta. Okay. Into my top 20, I've got uh, Fleetwood. This is in reverse order. So from 20 to 10 Fleetwood, Leishman, Peters, Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Hideki, Kucher at 14, Ustazen, Fowler at 12, Sergio at 11, and then we'll talk about the, the top 10 in a second. But is there anybody in that group that you would have or that you do have in your top 10? I mean, I, I don't have him in my top 10, but I think Fleetwood at 20 it seems a little low, to be honest with you. I think like he's played obviously much better than Peters this year. I think he's played better than Sergio. That's kind of blasphemous to say. But I, I think he's from that set maybe in the best kind of form. Uh, I think he, I'd put him on the cusp of that top 10, somewhere around 11, 12. Yeah. My, my deal with him is, is just not having, not, not having made a cut here. And, yeah. and I look at Peter's Peter's finished T four last year, which was yep. just wildly impressive. And um, I don't know. Peter's has been somebody that I've kind of struggled with because he, I really thought that 16 Ryder Cup was going to be sort of his launching pad into being a top 10 or 15 player in the world. And he's he's kind of, I mean, he's been okay at times. Obviously, he played great here last year, but he's kind of struggled at times too. So I, I don't I don't know. I don't totally know what to do with him. Peters has this weird, like he's been horrible driving the ball. Obviously, he's one of the longest players in the world, but on the PGA Tour, he's like 180th or something in strokes gained off the tee, which doesn't seem sustainable like i know he'll be a trendy pick he's down there like 60 to 1 or in that area but like that driving and he's actually hit the ball like approaching the green pretty well too but but other than that like that driving stat doesn't seem sustainable and like the masters could be like the kind of event where it snaps out and all of a sudden he's you know top 10 in strokes game driving it it just it's not going to stay that way as somebody yeah. with a uh, a live plus nine hundred ticket on Thomas Peters to win a major, I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good good ticket to have. <laughs> we'll see. Well, as I'll, you as I'll you like mentioned, that. I took it at the beginning of the season, and things haven't been great so far. So really hoping for uh, a turnaround. Uh, what about Rick? We've we've talked about uh, we talked about him a little bit, Kyle, in the rootability rankings. Um, what's like? Is it what is it? Where where we stand in with him, especially in uh, a field where the like even among the 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 superstars, and he is you know probably among the most recognizable stars and American stars in golf. Uh, I I can't help but um, like like you have I can't help but keep him outside the top ten uh, if I was ranking the field right now. You know, on March twenty eighth, uh, sitting here about a week and a half away from the start of play. Well, I, I think I think the thing that is encouraging for him is that he's in the second to last pairing on Sunday last year, and he wasn't hitting it very well, like at at the time, just generally, uh, on just on the PGA Tour, and and this year he's hit he's hitting it pretty well. He's just not putting, so I think I think it's easier to kind of snap out of the putting thing than it is to snap out out of the uh, strokes gain on approach shots and stuff like that. I did tell uh, so we had dinner last night. Not me and Ricky, but me and uh, with with my family, and I asked them all for their master's picks. And my kids took Spieth, and my wife took Rory. And I and I said that I had taken Ricky at the beginning of the year, and my wife was just appalled by that pick. She was like, "Are you you think Rick you think you think Ricky's going to win the Masters?" I was like, "Yeah, I mean, he could. Yeah, 
And she was like, nobody's going to remember your prediction. Just change it. Change it to somebody else. <laughs> what a good manager. Uh, yeah, it was great. I actually have Rick uh, inside the top 10 at seven. I mean, I don't have him winning. But, uh, I mean, Kyle, I expect, I don't know what your mutability index is, but I expect you to be in your Puma Orange and Pistol Pete hat <laughs> following him for the full 72 at uh, Augusta. Can I just say that's one of my favorite stories from last year at the, I think it was PGA. Yeah. You, you like fly in that morning, run out to the course to follow. I think it was like Ricky, Rory, somebody else. Like Ricky was just a part of the group you wanted to follow. And you had your Oki State hat on at the ropes. <laughs> Felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> the best part is that uh, I went to get like a bottled water or something. And he looks up. He was over there and he looks up and he, he saw my hat and he was like, what's up? And I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> like one of those super fans inside the ropes. But I, I like, I love, I, I, you know, he's had all these late Sunday tea times. Uh, his best finish is T4, I think, two years ago, or 2014. Um, I'm discouraged by the Sunday thing. I just, I, I hate bagging on a guy for who's obviously so good, but he doesn't convert a lot of Sundays. I was really discouraged at API Arnold Palmer that he, he was just irrelevant and not in that battle. But now it wouldn't have mattered probably with the way Rory went nuts, but like he, he was kind of out of it on the front nine and not a part of the broadcast. What was he in the second to last group or something? Yeah. Just, it seemed like he and tiger and, and Rory should have all been in the same kind of battle. And again, he just kind of fell off the coverage and, and the leaderboard. Yeah, I, I've got a theory about about him that I sort of posited to Chip recently just about how <clears throat> I feel like he doesn't really understand the rhythm of a tournament innately like somebody like Spieth does. And he just – and I, 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 this kind of crystallized for me during the U.S. Open last year where he's like in it, but he's just like doing things that you would do on a Thursday and not like, hey, I got to shoot like a – 32 on the back here to win like I have to be a great like he just he just does the things that he always does and if it works out great and if not then okay whatever like I'll just move on to the next event like he I, I feel like he does he just doesn't like pick his spots very well it's 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 weird like his his management of these tournaments sometimes leaves me a little bit befuddled I like that theory Good yeah take. it's like the thing that makes him strong or could give him an advantage of being able to like totally isolate and compartmentalize each stroke, each hole, each tournament, each event. Uh, also has the downside of not being of not having, and it's been like Spieth is the perfect uh, other side of that. The the ability to just have this um, like these afterburners or this nos to go uh, Fast and the Furious on you, like just to be able to kick it into another gear. Like the the only time that I can think of seeing that with Fowler was just. He was he was just unconscious at the players, right? I mean, isn't isn't that just kind of the the only time where you felt like, um, yeah, he just kind of hit a... hit the gas and and just like all of a sudden showed on a Sunday late in contention his best golf uh, of the week. Well, the afterburners the... issue is because he has the wrong the wrong deal with the wrong energy drink. Man, how did we get 46 minutes in here and we hadn't gotten a monster <laughs> reference? That is my fault. <laughs> uh, I the, saw the, monst- 
the monster uh, masters content has been premium thus yeah. far for your followers poor yeah, user generated content i love the people keep keep sending it's it i mean that's so good I tell my wife, I was like, you know, I used to have a little, little like inkling of talent in my fingers. Now I just make jokes about energy drinks. <laughs> Whatever, man, you're flourishing. It makes me, it makes me laugh. This, this uh, Tiger's comeback has been, uh, t- Tiger's comeback has been poor at season. <laughs> of course, spelled S Z N. Do y'all want to go? Uh, from 10 to 1 back and forth or do y'all want to show all your cards how do you want to do it uh let's just yeah show all our cards you can go first bora all right no we're going one first um number one is rosie uh, rosie wow. your faldo your colleague nick faldo would say um rose bubba number mm. two phil mickelson number three wow. jason day number four Justin Thomas, number five. Dustin Johnson, number six. Aforementioned Ricky, number seven. Number eight is a little Ulsterman named Rory. Number nine is Tiger Woods. And number 10 is Paul Casey. Wait, did you? Is there no Speeth in there? No, there's not a Jordan Speeth. <laughs> what a contrarian <laughs> list. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I love Speeth. They just, he's not in my top 10. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this. Uh, all right, Kyle, you wanna you you wanna put put them on the table? Uh, yeah. So I've got Jordan Spieth number one, <laughs> uh, Justin Thomas number two, DJ three, Rory four, Tiger five, Rosie six, Bubba seven. We almost have like inverse list. Uh, yeah. Day eight. Uh, Mickelson nine and John Rom ten. Okay. Mm. I have no Rom or no Spieth. Which Paul Casey, Paul Paul Casey at ten is he's got three straight top sixes. Yeah, I, that's I, crazy. I, yeah, I don't. I don't listen. I, I understand the speed thing. Like he seems to be a mess putting the ball right now. But I don't know that it necessarily matters at Augusta. You hear, he just. I think Rory said a few weeks ago, you just can't like. I don't need to be the best putter in the week. I just can't like waste a ton of shots up there on the greens. Um, so I, I don't know that like you need to be at your absolute best putting the ball. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I may look like the fool. I, I just, I think there's a lot of better players right now than Jordan Spieth. Now, is there a better player at Augusta? Maybe not. But. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of what I'm banking on. It, it feels like Augusta is, is his Narnia where he, where he enters the, the wardrobe and it just it just clicks like it's just he's just out of his mind for a week i mean he should legitimately have or he could legitimately have three jackets he should have two and you know he's played in the second to lot in in one of the final two pairings on sunday each of the last four years and so i i just i can't ignore that history no no matter how sort of poor he's been with his with his putter so far this year C.S. Lewis, shout out. That's that's an impressive impressive reference. Um, yeah, five. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think Rose is the guy, man. I I know that maybe if you're asking me like who is mo- who I feel like most likely to be there on Sunday, maybe he's not the most talented number one player in the world, but I think more than anyone, it's Rose. Like his worst finish, I think since 2011 is top as uh, tied for 25th. 
Yeah. He went second T10, second, hasn't missed cut. I just, <laughs> I th- and he's obviously been playing well. You know, he's been playing real well since the end of the end of 2017. Um, hasn't started a ton. The, the issue with him is like his back kind of gets a little bulky. But I think more than anyone in the field, if you're asking me who is the most likely to at least be involved on Sunday, is is Rose Rosie. So he is high yeah. on my rootability rankings. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, because there's just like a little bit that pangs me at how, uh, how, how heartbreaking the loss was last year to Sergio. Um, I told Kyle, like the, the face he made after the missed putt, I feel like I, it like haunts me to the point where I'll mimic it when I'm out there playing just that like (laughs) face to the side, cup your mouth kind of thing. But the other thing is that he is unjustly rooted against because he has a pointy face. You know, too many people think he's a bad guy or a mean guy. And I, I get nice guy vibes from Justin Rose. I'm, I'm ready. I am. He is on my like top five to seven in terms of players that I would like to see win it. Yeah. I had him, uh, I think ninth or 10th on my readability. I, I think he's, I know some people don't like him. I think he's great. Uh, I think my thing with Rose Porath is, I agree with you. Like it, it t- last, I think it's the last five years, only six guys have made every cut, and he has the highest average finish just ahead of Rory at like ten point six on the leaderboard. So he averages a top ten finish over the last five years, which is crazy. But my issue with him is that in a field like this, somebody. Somebody's going to be playing phenomenally. Somebody's going to be playing great. And I don't know that his ceiling is as high as JT's ceiling is as high as DJ's ceiling is as high as Rory's ceiling. And so uh, it, it gets, I, I don't know, it gets hard to rank those because you're like, well, sure. if he's more consistent, then maybe you should rank him higher. But I just feel like there are guys that if they're really, if they're really humming, like Justin Rose just isn't going to beat him. I think that's fair. That's completely fair. It's just, uh, yeah, I guess kind of like a different approach to yeah, yeah how, how we raped at that. I mean, I've, mine's kind of like most likely to be there and yours is like best chance to go crazy. See, so, I thought yeah. Justin Thomas at two, uh, Kyle, like that, that was so funny to me and it brought up the note that I, I knew I wanted to talk with you at some point. So let's, let's get it out there now. Like to Justin Thomas's so much has happened for Justin Thomas both as a player and the way that he's viewed by experts and fans and everything uh, in a year. And looking back to how much of a threat Justin Thomas was considered going into last year's Masters can kind of put that in perspective uh, to the point where, you know, I see him at two and I'm like, man, I I don't know if I had ever really considered JT. I, like, you know what? How about this? And this, this is going to make everybody's, uh, you know, skin crawl. But like Justin Thomas – at this time last year, like when people were still making the Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, best friends reference, like that was still being used on the broadcast. Like it wasn't even to the point where it was a joke yet. Like it was still so much of his notoriety was sitting on the yeah. side of a hill with a hot dog in his hand. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just like now, you know, everything that's happened since then, he's just turned into, you know, could be, he's number two in the world right now, could be number one with the win. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to look at him and Augusta, think about how far he's come, but yet at the same time, I'm not ready to make him uh, one of these players who I think is, despite all the talent in the world, going to be ready to overcome 
uh, what I, you, a phrase you've used, institutional knowledge uh, that you might have with someone like uh, Spieth, Tiger, Phil, uh, even like Justin Rose, Bubba Watson, players like that. Yeah, I I had him kind of all over my top ten. Um, I he's just. I, I think the thing that's impressed me most about him is that he hasn't fallen off since last year's uh, five-win season. Sure. I mean, he's he's already won twice. Uh, he could have won a third time at, at match play. And, you know, we saw Spieth after he won five times in 15, come back in 16, and he kind of he kind of labored to two wins for the season. And, and Thomas is there by March. And so I just... I just feel like he is either he either this is like a 18 month heater or he's just the one of the three best players in the world. You know, so, I, I feel like the, those are sort of your only two options. My my one thing with Thomas and this may be not necessarily fair. Uh, he has all the tools. He's obviously, maybe the most talented player in the world or the best player in the world. Um, my fear with him at this age and with only two starts is that he sometimes kind of psychs himself out. Now, he's not a choker. Obviously, he's not a choker. He's won a major. He's won player of the year. He's won everything. But at, like, the U.S. Open, after he shot 63, he's like, man, I, I couldn't stop watching TV, and, like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't ready to go on Sunday. And he said that this week about, um, at the match play, about getting to number one in the world. Like, it kind of concerns me that he's he's psychotically competitive, and that's a good thing to have on the golf course. But there's some drawbacks to it. Where if he's, you know, in the second to last group or the last group at Augusta, how is he sleeping on the lead and how is he doing, you know, Sunday morning? I don't think he's a choker, to be clear. But I think sometimes that like creeps into his mind, especially in just his third start, that could become an issue at the very biggest spotlight in the game. Fair. And I I, I agree with you. And I think this is where and we can get to talking about <clears throat> your monster drinking friend. I think this is where Tiger really helps these guys because n- none of them are really storylines coming in. I mean, like we're not talking about Rory's slam. We're not talking about JT or I say we, we are, but a lot of yeah. m- most people are not. Everybody's talking about tiger. And so I feel like that sort of helps the Rory's and the JT's of the world because they don't have to deal with as much as they, as they normally would. And, and so, yes, I agree with you. And if he shoots a, 64 on Saturday to get into the final pairing with Spieth or whatever it is like that. Yeah, that could, I mean, it could be an issue, but he could also go out and shoot 66, 66 on Thursday, Friday, and then just kind of coast into the weekend. And, and I think that, um, I think that that is probably the, the best formula for him to, or the best path for him to, to get to the green jacket. Um, I don't know. I just can't ignore the way he's been playing so far this year. Although I do agree with you. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I have him fifth for that. That's a good, really good point. I mean, I'd say more likely is that he, yeah, sets fire to the course on Thursday, Friday and whatever's going on Sunday doesn't even matter. So that, that's a good path. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk about big cat. I mean, where, where, what percentage, uh, I mean, you don't have to set a percentage on it, but I, I feel like there is, uh, for a, a certain vintage of golf fan, golf writer, golf expert. I mean, there, there is a balancing of, um, there, there's a balancing of nostalgia. There's a balancing of fandom. And then there's also the, the expert analysis. And I feel like the, with, 
with Tiger Woods is there's also Tiger fatigue as some people might be able to relate to when you're just churning out nonstop Tiger Woods content every single time he pays, posts a tweet. Um, I, you know, how, how does all this, this mix together and how do you balance it all to try and get a clear eyed view at, you know, what the, uh, the four time masters champion, you know, what are you expecting from him at Augusta? Go ahead. I mean, that's a cop out, but you don't, I don't think you have a clear eyed view. I mean, this is, I, that's like a, I know that's my job is to give you a clear eyed view, but I think you're going to read, (laughs) you're going to read so much pop psych bs in the next you know week to 10 days about tiger as we have the last decade that we're not even it's just gonna be a messy jumble i read and this is a great piece read golf digest uh like john huggin and dave shedlowski like ask a bunch of guys in the game tour caddies and and broadcasters and pros and former major winners and if they just compile it all together it's all anonymous and it's great great read but everybody says something different like you you come out of it saying like i have no idea what like the grand takeaway is like his back is going to go in any second or he's mentally weak or the chipping yips are going to come back or he's the mentally strongest player in the player you know in the world right now and he's going to win like everybody said something different and i think it's just a jumbled mess obviously given his track record there with little to no practice like in 2015 when he had the yips or 2010 when he kind of disappeared for six months um it makes sense for him to be i don't know in the top 10 i put him in my top 10 uh does that mean he's in contention on sunday i don't know i don't think so i think he's you know has a late tea time and is you know six shots off the pace and needs to do something crazy yeah yeah i i'm i'm with you but i always go back to 2015 and he was so bad in phoenix when he, which I heard you guys talking about this the other day, but he was he was purposefully chipping into the stands <laughs> in Phoenix. Is yeah. the is is my favorite fake take ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like sending golf balls at people's heads on purpose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he was so bad there, and then he he didn't he doesn't play for two months, and then he shows up and he's in the third to last pairing with Rory on Sunday. Like I'll never get. I'll never uh, look past him at Augusta because of that year. And so if that's if that was the case in 2015 and, and you look at what he's done so far this year, which has been, I mean, it, it, it's so hard to, like you said, view Tiger with clear eyes because of everything that surrounds him. But he's number seven on the PGA Tour in strokes gained right now. Like that's that's a that's a real thing. And. <laughs> It's not, yes, yeah, he hasn't won, he hasn't whatever, but he's he's a top 10 golfer on the PGA Tour in strokes gained. I don't know how you could not have him in your top 10. I mean, it would almost, I mean, I, th- I, I would venture to say that everybody else in the top 10 in strokes gained right now, you probably do have, uh, if not in the top 10, then the top 15 or 20. So, um, yeah, I go back to 2015 and I look at his body of work so far this year and I, I just think that... I, I expect him to finish in the top 10 on this leaderboard. Where'd you have him, Kyle, again? Five. I had him fifth. Fifth. Okay. I mean, that seems right. God. He's as competitive as anybody in, in the on the PGA Tour right now. It's it's crazy. So I'm just glad the golf has started to match uh, the attention. You know? 
Yeah. Mike, you want to hear, uh, so top 10 in strokes gain, DJ one, Phil two, JT three, Sergio, Justin Rose. These are all guys we have in our top 12. Paul Casey, Alex Noren, Tiger, uh, RCB, and Tommy Fleetwood. Wow. Did you say Bubba in there or no? Uh, no, Cabrera Bayo is ninth. Uh, uh, Bubba is 56th. What? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, hey, Brendan, where, where are you at with Bubba? Because this is that's another uh, interesting addition to um, you know the, the former champions – who have been playing better and, you know, for Bubba and then even Phil at this point, you know, uh, former champions who have a win, you know, coming into, uh, that home stretch to Augusta. Like that's the, what, what Kyle, what do we call him? The torture genius or something? (laughs) Yeah. I think you called him that. (laughs) Okay. Um, what, like what's, uh, what what are your expectations there? You had him in your top 10. Um, got him too. Yes. Yeah. So you've you've I'm, good I'm feels. I'm fading that. I'm fading that hard. <laughs> Why? I mean, I think it's all upstairs with Bubba, and obviously, you know, it's it's all upstairs. He's either checked out at the start of the week or he's not. That's that's the one thing about the U.S. Open. You know, as soon as he comes to the media center, you're just like, there's going to be some complaint about the rough, some complaint <laughs> about the condition, and you're like, never pick him anywhere in the top forty for the U.S. Open. But it's all upstairs, and obviously he's got to work in. He's got two enormous wins, and he's going to a course that sets up perfectly for him. It's it's hard not to think that he's among the favorites. Mm. Love what it. What are you going to say, Kyle? Well, I, he just it, – it's all or nothing. I mean, it's – if he doesn't win, then he's not going to finish in the top 30. I mean, I think he's only got – he's got two wins – and he's got only got one other top 35, I think, at this course, over the course of his career. Yep. And so I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I like guys who are consistently in the top 10 or 15 at major championships because I think that shows just a level of, I mean, this, this was my whole thing with Sergio. Like, you were, uh, Sergio has been wildly underrated throughout his career, and all you have to do to prove that is look at his top tens and majors. And and uh, yeah, you could backdoor some of them, but you can't have twenty four top tens at majors without being just an unbelievable golfer. And and Bubba only has four top tens at majors in his career ever. And I just I'm just not impressed by that. <laughs> That's understandable. I I think you have to go with the track record of having two wins. And the track record of this year, I, I find it hard to believe that like 35th with the way he's playing is a possibility. Bubba, I understand Bubba, the past history kind of indicates that. but Bubba shot a 79 in his last stroke play round before the Masters. Which was what, API? Fourth round of the Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Finished well, T66. Take the good with the bad. <laughs> <laughs> um all right what is uh we we've we've ranked a lot of golfers brendan what is in terms of uh if if it's something we haven't mentioned please bring it up but if if it is something you know feel free to double down what are what's maybe the one or two or the the couple big storylines that as someone who's gonna you know be a a purveyor of the the content uh during masters week what what are you rooting for or what are you excited about uh, I mean, obviously, Tiger. Right. That's like that's not yeah surprising answer. But as Kyle alluded to earlier, Tiger just kind of 
steals the show for you know the entire mainstream crooked media will focus on tiger while you know who knows what else you know and it takes so much of the spotlight off of a guy like phil so it's, it's just way up there on my kind of radar for a storyline i think phil um <laughs> is completely vibing coming into a event that he's won three times and knows exactly how to play granted he's struggled there in recent years but he's also a different player right now than he was in recent years so i am completely jacked for phil um i think he will be the the tournament will be made better by his presence being there on sunday and i, I expect that to happen um i think dj is obviously a massive story i don't yeah it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like that at all. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the slip and fall down the stairs and all that stuff. And he's not been I hear these kind of weird takes like um the fact that he hasn't contended in the last in the last couple of WGCs and and Genesis like is good. Like and it's just like you're just talking yourself in circles. Like it's good to be playing bad, going you know to not be contending, going into the Masters. Like he's under the radar for that. I think that's like BS. Quite frankly, like I think it would be better if he had won once or a couple times. He obviously won in Kapalua, but I think it'd be better if he hadn't. He's been completely ejected from the last few events. So I, I think like he's the number one player in the world, and not a lot of people are talking about him. And he should be, you know, he's, I think I'm on the favorites right now, 10 to one with that whole group. Uh, so Phil and DJ are kind of my stories I'm most psyched for. And, and we have our old friend, Rory, and I'll cede the floor to uh, Kyle on that one. To noted number one uh, president and top ranking member of the Roy McElroy fan club, the half Ulsterman, <laughs> Kyle Porter. <laughs> I, I got a, a Northern Ireland kit to wear uh, for the first <laughs> first two days of the Masters. (laughs) No, I didn't. I I do think that the... and I I think every non-Tiger storyline is probably flying under the radar, but I do think Rory winning the Slam is like... uh, having just won a tournament, like like he's in form, obviously, uh, is, is sort of not being talked about. I mean... And again, like it's it's hard to sort of differentiate between what the crooked media are talking about and what... um, you know what? What and and even like what golf fans want to see. I mean, this is a t- tournament where half or more of your people tuning in, like that's what they want is is the Tiger storyline. You know, sure. and so yeah, I think I think the Rory Slam. I think um, just the idea of getting a potential showdown between somebody in their forties, Tiger and Phil, and somebody in their twenties, like JT or Spieth or any of those guys, uh, is, is so compelling to me. I've talked about it a bunch, but, um, I just think that if you get a, let's say you get a tiger JT final pairing on Sunday, how good is that? Yeah. I mean, how, how good are those ratings and, and how, how excited, not only that, but how excited are all, are, are we for, for it? You know, kind of the, kind of the, the nerds of it, I I think would be, I think that, that would be unbelievable. If we get Phil and Spieth or Phil and Rory would be unbelievable. I mean, Man. that would just be awesome because, <laughs> you know, they would be just super into it and the whole thing would be, would be great. One of the things that I was thinking about, I was, te- we were texting last night, me and Porath and Martin about the final rounds that the masters put on YouTube. I, I feel like this is the tournament is one of the few tournaments where the final round almost always lives up to the highest. 
no matter what happens. It just is. It's one of the few things in sports where that you can almost bank on just living up to the hype. We don't know what that hype. You know, we don't know how it's going to play out, but I feel like it. It almost always does. Um, so man, I can't wait. I can't wait until next week. I'm already tired of the, uh, the lead up to it and yeah. it's the Wednesday before the Wednesday when I'm supposed to be tired of it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get there next week. I think that the, the generational, the, the generational aspect of this was that goes, that goes back to what we were talking about where, uh, you know, 2018 shaping up to be potentially like an, like one one of those banner years when we're looking back twenty years from now at each of the different uh, t- years of the golf season or the golf calendar years, like the to get the a, a younger uh, a younger group that is playing at such a high level to get um, you know these champions these established champions you know tr- looking for the the to recapture uh, some some glory here here in their forties. Uh, if we can get it all, that's about, you know, that's, that, that's Scrooge McDuck diving into, uh, <laughs> to the big old, the big old vault full of gold in terms of, uh, attention dollars. That's just about perfect for us. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that Kyle just mentioned that now that I'm thinking about it would be number one for me, even beyond Tiger is Rory and Phil in the final group. It's that cross-generational oh thing. A couple years ago, I remember Phil was like, I know who has three, but Jump into four, that's like a different category. I think, who is it? Tiger, Jack, Arnie, I think. You know, that's like, you remember he was like aggressively talking about it, like, like yeah. shaking his head with that grin and his eyes bulging. He's like, <laughs> I know, I like three is great, but four, that's like a different stratosphere. Versus <laughs> Rory, obviously trying to become the fifth uh, career slam, what is it, fifth or sixth guy to finish, to complete the career Six, slam? Yeah. Sixth, to complete the career slam. Like that's just oozing with history and the cross generational thing and the guys who they probably like each other, but there's a little kind of competing egos the, tenseness there. That that's number but, one for me. But they might not like each other. Yeah, they might. 2000, 2014 PGA, man. And then the Ryder Cup, two thousand fourteen yeah. PGA, he's you know, they were Rory's talking about how they were clapping and that pissed him off and then I I love that. That was the that was that was so good. Like the whole thing, Phil and Ricky, like treating it like it was a Ryder Cup, and like, oh, it was awesome. And then Phil, two months later, whatever at 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 uh, Glen Eagles, we we always remember the driving a bus over Tom Watson. But he started that week saying, "Well, we have no one on our team that's suing each other." Remember? Litigating. We don't litigate against <laughs> each other. Yeah. That, that's number one for me. Yeah, God, that would be incredible. That's that's the best. Uh, those are those are two of the be- the most dramatic. Uh, Kyle had the line that Rory McIlroy is one of the most the best headliners in golf. Just like everything is dramatic when he's in the mix. Phil's yeah. Phil and Rory. That's y'all have talked me into it. That's what I <laughs> well, want. And, and, and when they win, I, this is something I was thinking about. When they win, like okay, so when Tiger has won over the course of his career. He's the formula has been uh, uh, play decent on Thursday, go low on Friday, Saturday, and then just make pars on Sunday. Traditionally, like that hasn't always been the case. When Phil and Rory win, it feels like every tournament they've shot like a twenty nine on the back nine on Sunday. I know that I know that's not true, and like you can go back and look it up, and it's not true. But I, I, they just seem to the way they 
they win has been incredibly dramatic in terms of not only the theatrics, but also their score on a Sunday. So to get them in a, in a heads up duel at Augusta on, on a Sunday would be, that'd be pretty special. Mm, that's fun. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. We appreciate you hopping on, uh, looking ahead to, uh, you know, the, the, the masters, uh, we'll be sure to do this again. Uh, we'll link up later in the season. Uh, you can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Porat, uh, Kyle, uh, we still got a little bit more, a little bit more preview content to churn out. So can't get sick of it quite yet. We need a little bit more from you. A <laughs> little bit more. Uh, I got it. I got it in the tank. All right, cool. Brendan, thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. Right. Appreciate it, guys. It's an honor. Thank you for inviting me.